Welcome to another GNA podcast. We've got some special guests here. A returning cast member, Mr. Blue Shark 45. Hello. And uh, he's not actually 45, as Matt Man always likes to point out. God damn it. <laughs> not <laughs> and, getting a uh, break from that. Nope. Have you Can't, ever come I, to those rings? <clears throat> so, and we also, you just heard him. Uh, that's our, this is our first time guest, Zyberblood. Hello, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the cast tonight. Absolutely, always a pleasure. How's everybody doing this evening? Um, doing I'm doing pretty good. Fantastic. Had a lovely day with my wife. Haven't seen her in about a week. <laughs> so uh, we we married people like to call that a great week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's kick into it. I've been uh, I've been pre-gaming myself something fierce, so I've been drinking some crack and rum, but I'm actually going to slide myself into a Get Bent Mountain IPA. Um, to be perfectly honest, I have never tried this. It was something I found in, I don't know where I was, but I found it in one of those random 12-packs. So I'm actually going to be trying it for the first time right this second. Mm, and I gotta say, it's uh, it's pretty nice. It's pretty hoppy. It's got a lot of flavor to it. Yeah, get bet get bent Mountain IPA, <laughs> and this is out of uh, this is actually out of a. Oh my God, there's a Salem, Virginia. This is out of Salem, Virginia. Look at that. Oh shit! Pitchforks and torches. Yeah, I actually uh, I grew up in a town named Salem, not Salem, Massachusetts, yeah, yeah, but out in New York, and. Uh, yeah, and it, it had the same mentality of Salem in the old days, uh, you know, witchcraft, all that crap. In fact, uh, I can distinctly remember somebody getting burned at the stake for saying a chew. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a hell of a thing. I'm, I'm, I'm interested now to find this Salem, Virginia, since I, uh, I live in this fine state of Virginia. I say that tongue-in-cheek. So, Blue Shark, wh- what are you drinking with us tonight? Uh, I am, uh, almost through number two, and I am drinking Blue Moon Belgian White. Mmm, that's a favorite. Yes. Yes, Good it's classic. a nice go-to. And it comes in cans now. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I could, I can stack more in the fridge. That was something I was unaware of, but, uh, now that I am, I might have to pick up some Blue Moon before the next podcast. Zyberblood, what are you drinking with us tonight? Yes, sir. I am drinking a Guinness Dublin Porter. It's mighty yummy. Mm. How is that? I actually it's, don't. I don't think I've tried the Dublin Porter yet. Well, it's like a Guinness, but a porter. That's like a little bit more richer. the The flavors are just insane. Um, how Guinness has that earthy like kick back after you drink it this has none hmm. really it's like all all on that first initial sip then there's no like back taste you know you just described the guinness nitro ipa for me because that ipa <laughs> I, i'm a i'm a huge ipa fan and the guinness nitro ipa i grabbed a six pack of it first one i cracked into i opened it up it smelled fantastic um 
I'm putting it to my lips and the aroma is still hitting me and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. I took that first sip and I was like, wow, this is, this is great. This is really impactful. But then everything after it, it was like there was nothing there. It was like, it was like the tail end of a gas. It was smooth as hell, which I'm not used to in an IPA. So when Guinness did that to me, I was almost at first, I was really upset because I'm like, where's the rest of my flavor? And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm drinking a Guinness. It's supposed to be smooth at the end. Okay, I'm, I'm with it. I got it. What, what do you guys think about the nitros? Um, I never had the nitro, at least I don't think I did, unless uh, I was over at Cecil's one night and he just kept on force-feeding them to a point that I forget. <laughs> Hey, th- th- this isn't D's bachelor party where I just gave you the infinite <laughs> refilling Guinness, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I did yeah, not. I was, did not do that to you with nitros. That was harsh. Uh, that was really harsh. So, so quick background story on that. Uh, D, who's actually been on the podcast a couple times, um, he was getting married, and we went to a place called Premier Gentlemen's Club in Worcester, Mass. Now, if you've never been to Worcester, Mass, and I'm probably saying it wrong, so, you know, sue me. But if, you ever, if you've never been there, it goes from trees and, like, kitty swings straight to barbed wire on the windows, uh, like, within 30 feet. Um, that's Worcester, Mass. This place was in the middle of Worcester, and it was the diamond in the rough. So we went there for Dee's bachelor party, and... The entire time we're going to get drinks. And Kurt was being mildly timid. Mildly, yes. Pardon me. I mean, I wasn't playing a game of, you know, catch up to everybody. But in all uh, seriousness, I ended up playing a serious game of catch up. Well, on the uh, now here's where the story comes in. So every time I walked by him, I would shake his Guinness bottle. And if it felt even mildly empty... I immediately replaced it with one that was full that I had in my other hand. Now, I did this to him about five or six times throughout the night. Yes. The best part about it is that I found out that another gentleman there, Adam, actually the real article is how he goes by now because he's, uh, he's, um, he's on Facebook. Yep. Check him out, the real article. He's actually pretty good, too. Absolutely. He's he's, uh, he's He's rapping. He's actually pretty good, too. But anyway, so the real article... Uh, was doing the exact same thing I was doing to Zyberblood. And he replaced his drink probably four yep. four or five times. So poor Zyberblood, in the process of about three hours, has chugged down like 12 Guinness. He, yeah. Also, also uh, Shinzu, he was, he was feeding me a lot also in shots and other stuff. There was those, but those were a couple. So you thought you were pretty good. But the best part was is I sit down next to this man and I say, hey, how you feeling? He goes, oh, man, I'm fucked up. I've only had like two or three Guinness and I'm really fucked up. And I just smiled. <laughs> and then I looked up at the real article and I said, uh, I said, I've been swapping his drinks out all night. So he doesn't even know. And he looks at me and goes, Shit, you've been doing that too? I've been doing that. <laughs> the craziest thing, though, was it's not like they took the beers away that were half full. I would drink it. It'd be empty. I'd go outside, and at the time I was smoking, and I'd come back, and I'd be like, oh, this has to be mine. I wasn't done yet. And 
all actuality, I did finish it. It's just one of the many that were piling up in a row. Yeah, it was it was like there'd be a, a little maybe ounce at the bottom that he hadn't drank, and then we'd replace it on him. Nice. That was a that was a fantastic night, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. So en- enough with story time. So let's uh, let's get into the meat of why we've met here tonight. Where we started in video gaming. Where in history did we actually start? So uh, Blue Shark, why don't you start us off? Where did you start in video gaming? Okay. Uh... It's a little fuzzy for me. Um, I'm not exactly sure what came first. But I remember there was a pinball game that uh, I got. I don't remember where how I got this thing. But it had a very scantily cladded cyborg warrior woman on the back of the, on the pinball board. I'm not All a right. pinball expert, so um, I had to. I, I remember you, you, you loaded the game in. The I think you, had to, you stuck the floppy disk down. You had to pull the latch down to hold it in place, and then I had to type into MS DOS the command to start the game. That was my. I believe that was my first game on a computer, and that might have actually been my first video game. Period. Um, there was also around that time, and this might have preceded this, and I'm not sure about this. It was on the the NES or the SNES was Duck Hunter, followed by Mario at my friend's house. That was uh, that was Duck Hunter. They actually had a combo game of Duck Hunter Super Mario on a uh, I forget if it was a special release or if it was just after after a year or so when the thing was out, but there was a combo of Duck Hunter and... Yep, that's the system I ended up getting. Yep. First uh, video console that I actually got. Yeah, I, I thought it was so cool, the gun. You're just holding this thing, and it's like, I, I yeah. just point this at the screen, and it knows that I just shot there. <laughs> Dude, this is awesome! The light gun, yeah, man. Yeah. So what's uh, so now? Now leads into the next question. What is the game that really was the staple point for you? Was it Duck Hunt, or uh, or was it a different game that really just hooked you solid into video gaming? Uh, what really hooked me was um, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. I. Uh, I, I was talking uh, earlier in our chat um, with Totes. We were kind of going back and forth on this. But it's, you know, you you go into Blockbuster and you just walk those aisles and they have all these games. And this was when I had eventually saved up and bought my own N64. I was looking around and there's this game and it's called Zelda. And I would heard people talk about it before. I remember reading it in Nintendo Power, um, and uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this game. I picked it up, and I played through that game so many times, start to finish, collecting the bugs, doing every single side quest, and just 
replaying it over and over and over again and just loving that story and i i think that's actually one of the first games where i started thinking about um i had my own little you know everyone writes fan fiction i had my own little story that i would run through my head of what happens after all of that and uh i remember just loving that loving that the story in the game and thinking this is so cool that you can you run across this field and you go here and you go there and it's just this giant open world i uh i can embarrassingly say i never played ocarina of time but your description of it <laughs> has just made me want to play it like i'm i'm dead serious <laughs> now you, your description alone has just made me go i want to play this game yeah it's uh it, it I is found it enjoyable. It's it a, a very enjoyable game. Yeah, it's a staple. Uh, yeah, you could call it an RPG. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, but, I mean, if you're a graphics whore, you won't enjoy it. Because the graphics aren't that great anymore. I mean, it's... I mean, it's you look at, you look at nowadays games, and the graphics are high definition and everything... You know, this is when, um, uh, you know, you, you, I think there was someone who had pointy tits, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes. the fairy, that's yes, it. The, the fairy with her, not, not only the fairy, but the, um, I can't remember her name, the Empa? sand queen lady. Oh no. Oh yes. Uh, the sand queen. All right. Now, yeah, now I'm, now I'm yeah. really interested. Pointy tits, the, sand queen. Yeah, there was um in, in Zelda there was the desert, uh, the Guru yes, desert, yes, yes. and uh, there's this this tribe of women who um or no it's Gerudo Desert I think uh, is how you actually say it, um, but in the desert you would uh, you came across this group of warrior like women. And, um, yeah, it's been long enough. Screw it. Spoilers. Uh, the, this, <laughs> this group of women, you know, it's like, uh, Wonder Woman's, the Amazonians, like they're only women, but they had, um, a catch every so many centuries or something, a man would be born into this tribe of women and would become the ruler of them. And that's where, um. Oh no, that's not where Link came in. No, no, it's where. Well, I mean, Link ended up tying into this guy, but Link wasn't born yeah. from this group. It was the uh, it was the villain, uh, Ganon. Ganondorf. Ganondorf. Yes. Yeah. So that's you know that was one of the places where you went, and they all didn't want you to come into this desert, and they all you know they kept you out, and there was this one woman who was kind of stuck out from the rest. The rest of them had, like, their faces covered, and she was the only one, I think, didn't have her face covered. And, uh, yeah, she had pointy tits. <laughs> Ginormous pointy tits. Yes. <laughs> With pixelated bounce. They even gave you the bounce? That's, uh... <laughs> that's impressive. 
Yeah, it was kind of the it was the pixelated bounce like you'd get from Chung Li in like Street Fighter. Well, I'm just I'm thinking Nintendo. That was uh, that was risque back in the day. Yeah, well, yeah I mean they were yeah. covered though, so. Yeah, but still, and it's, it's Nintendo. Naburu. Yeah, Naburu is the name of the woman. That seems so forced. You trying to get that name out there? I mean. I'm horrible with pronunciations <laughs> of names, and I'm pretty sure uh, there's always a good chance I'm I'm just massacring the name. Well, it's all right. I uh, as I say, I think uh, I think I'm a professional mangler of names. I actually put it on my uh, on my business cards and resume. So uh, so Zyberblood, um, tell us where. Well. My uh, first experience with gaming was uh, Pitfall on Atari. Nice, a classic. Yeah, yeah. Back in 84. So, it, it was just before Nintendo came to us. <laughs> and that following year for Christmas, my brother and I, we, we got a Nintendo. Rocking out Mario and Duck Hunt, pretty much every day during school break um later on like you know it wasn't the the whole thing of okay cool you know mario i i didn't really get too deep into mario but once uh the wizardry games came out oh man wizardry you're talking yeah. about like bane of the cosmic forge and uh yeah the dark yeah. savant and stuff oh yeah old school nintendo wizardry <laughs> Once those came out, I I started like foaming at the mouth, drooling, staring at the TV, just hooked on these games. Well, hell, man, you uh, you just named a game that was a uh, was part of my childhood, but I played it on computer. Bane of the Cosmic Forge. I think it was uh, I think it was Wizardry four or three. Yep. <laughs> but followed that with uh, when Final Fantasy first came to us. On the Nintendo. Oh my and god. Once, yeah, once that hit, I was hooked. That franchise just, you know, bent me over and said, hey, you're our bitch for the rest of your life. <laughs> and and it's true. It's true. Well. <laughs> and after that, I mean, my experience was when I moved back up here and met you. Playing, uh... 11th guest and 7th hour on your candy. You, you reverse that. 7th guest, 11th hour. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Strike that. Reverse it. <laughs> but yeah, that that was my PC experience other than uh, Jeremiah introduced me to a lovely game called Kingsfield. Or uh, King's Quest, rather. King's Quest. He, I think he had King's Quest 4, Heir to the Throne. Yes. Oh no, King's Quest 5, Heir to the Throne. King's Quest 4 was the one with the woman, Ros- Rosetta. Yep. Yeah, uh, that was on his uh, IBM that he had that were playing that. It was fun. I actually really enjoyed those games, even though they're old as hell and very low resolution on what we're used to today. They're still, back in the day, amazing. Well, the funny thing is, is that even though they're old school and, and all that stuff, but uh, they're re- you know they're they're still viable today because I mean they're remaking they remade the whole King's Quest oh, into yeah, an episodic sin- in, uh, that, thing. 
that is one of the things that I absolutely love that they did. I played through the whole uh, storyline that they put out there mm-hmm. and loved it. Absolutely loved it. It made me feel so freaking nostalgic from playing those old floppy disk games that if you got a magnet too close to it, it was gone. Yep, yep. <laughs> the one where you put a fridge magnet near it and all of a sudden you killed your game. There's 60 bucks down the tubes. Oh, yep. Damn. Yeah, those, those days... God, they were so challenging. And then when they came out with, like, phone covers and they have magnets in them, I'm like, what the fuck? That's such a horrible idea. Right. And then you realize, dude, I, I'm right with you. And then you realize that how far technology has come, and you're like, oh, it's it's not that bad, I guess. I guess it's all right. I'm, I'm, it's cool. Yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I look at a lot of the systems that I have between my computers my consoles, my phone and tablet, and and I'm like, okay, this back then would have been like, someone's a freaking wizard. Who the hell is a wizard? Oh yeah, <laughs> dude. Just just thinking yeah. about it, if if you if you really think about it, your phone is just a computer in your pocket. I mean, if the, yeah, if there's anything exactly. more Star Trek than that, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah and then hell I, I think they finally come up with one of the watches that that works with a phone where you can actually take calls on them mm-hmm. but I remember when Apple's like yeah and you can answer the call and they're just like swipe and it's like oh yeah and then you gotta bring the phone to your, your face it's like no damn it I wanna look at my watch and say Scotty bing me up well the funny part about that I had a Samsung Gear I think it was a Gear Neo my brother had picked it up for me for Christmas or something, and it was it was Dick Tracy. Uh, please tell me everybody on this call remembers Dick Tracy. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm sitting there and I my phone goes off and my my watch starts vibrating. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I look at it and it says swipe to answer the call. So I swipe it, and all of a sudden I go hello, and there's my brother going, hey bro, what's up? I'm like, bro, I'm talking to you through a watch. He's like, oh, the watch I got you? I said, yeah, dude. It's like, oh, man, that's awesome. I'm standing next to somebody, and th- this person's probably, I don't know, he was probably 60 or 70 years old. He looks at me, and he goes, are you Dick Tracy? And I went, I am now. <laughs> nice. It, it was it was seriously, I, I felt I felt so cool doing that. Just, it, it, there's just no words to describe it. It was so freaking awesome. And I, I don't know, it's simple now, but... You know, just growing up, reading the old Dick Tracy comics and shit like that. You see him talking in his watch, and there I am. I'm doing it. I, I almost went out and bought a yellow hat and yellow coat just so I could walk around and say, yep, I'm that guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's just insane the amount of uh, advancement since you and I were kids. Oh, yeah. I there's It really gets to me because... I cannot keep up with all of this stuff. I mean, I'm still thinking I'm going to turn on my computer and it's going to be XP. <laughs> I'm still thinking I'm going to turn on my computer and I got to walk away, grab a cup of coffee before it boots. Hell, my computer boots before I'm <laughs> before I'm done thinking about pressing the button. Exactly. The the computer that I'm on right now is like 2 seconds is it's up. Yeah, I can, I'm like holy crap. I, I can remember back in the day where I, an install of a video game on a computer, it took like 40 minutes. You'd, you'd start the install, you'd start swapping disks, and you'd get up, you'd go make dinner, 
You'd eat it. You'd, uh, you know, you'd... right. It was like half a day process. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was back in the day. So, I think you already hit on it, but I'll, but I'll ask a question anyways. What what was the game that really just brought you into video game Nirvana? Just 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 hooked you and said, "Yep, yep, I'm I'm a, I'm a idiot now. That's that's what I'm going to do. I, I play video games." Final Fantasy, hands down. Final Fantasy. Nice. So, what about it really made you? made it stick um just the the cheesy story kind of drew me in and as the franchise grew like the stories just kept getting better and better even though there was still some cheesiness but it just got better and then when you get to both of our favorites uh you know, the storyline was awesome. You know, with uh, your namesake, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> His quest for redemption. That that whole game just was it. And that was the first video game when you play it, you get to a sad part, it actually made me cry. <laughs> oh, right. God. that That's a good game. When you... When you feel something, when you're playing a video game, you know you're hooked. Like you, yeah. You you just and you know they've done like the, a good job on it. Uh, the current Final Fantasy, some people have criticized with the story. Said, yeah, it, it seems like the the interactions are like if you choose this dialogue option, it seems like the reaction is the same. And I was like, you know, some of it is, and I get that. But he's got some moments in there where it just like it tugs at your heartstrings or you're, you know, you feel immersed in it. Like, you know, you you feel the anger, you feel the joy like the characters are. And that's to me is what makes Final Fantasy great is that they do that. Well, everybody that I've talked to so far and I have not played the most recent Final Fantasy and only because um well, uh, I won't get into that, but I haven't played the, the, the newest installment of Final Fantasies yet. But I do plan to because everybody I've talked to who's completed it says the ending made them sad. In fact, one person I talked to actually said they, they gave a little tear at the end. And I said, dude, if that, if that brought that much emotion out of you, I have to play that game. Hands yeah. down. I have to play that game. Even if it doesn't bring that emotion out of me, it means that it was enough to bring that type of emotion out of somebody. So I've got to try it. I've got to see what it does to me. Yeah, the uh, I, I've tried a couple Final Fantasy games before, and I always got bored with this turn-based, you know, battle. And it, it to me it was kind of like press a button, press a button. You know, it, it wasn't interactive enough for me because when I think when I'm playing a video game I want to move the sticks I want to press the buttons I want to be responding a little bit um, more so physically than I am just you know click 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 that's what drew me into this one I've always watched the stories from my friends playing the games or YouTube videos but I I'm in chapter 13 right now of this game and I'm just I, I was in disbelief when something happened um, uh, I think it was around <laughs> chapter 13 and, or before it and I was just like no, no, that can't be true don't, 
don't tell me it's true, please. So I'm I'm looking forward That's to seeing that end. I want to see the end of this thing. Well, did you watch Kingsclave by any chance before you played? Yes, I did. Yeah, I watched it around chapter two or three, which I I'm glad I f- I did watch it before I got further, but at the same time, um. I think it's better to watch it from the beginning because when there's certain things are happening and the other characters don't know this, you're you're in the know. It's uh, you're like, oh wow, yeah, I know who that is. Oh shit, you guys don't know who that is. Oh, you you guys are gonna flip if you ever right. find this out. You know, it's and it's it's really cool to be in the know in those situations. But uh, yeah, it, that was that was a good movie. And to anyone who's considering playing this game, watch it first. Yeah, that's that, that's the one thing that I've uh, I've figured out of this newest Final Fantasy is that that Kingsglaive movie really does marry into the storyline, into the lore of Absolutely, the whole thing. Yes. And if you don't watch it, you're actually missing out on a big part. You can play the game without it, but you're missing out on something on an important part of the storyline. Let's just put it that way. Because I, I watched Kingsclave. I have not played the game yet. In fact, playing King or watching Kingsclave actually made me want to play the game, which I, uh, I'll get into in a minute on why I gave up on it. But I, I gave up on Final Fantasies, and this actually brought me back. the 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 Kingsclave movie brought me back and said, "Yeah, you wanna you wanna give it another shot." All right, so I guess I should answer my own questions this time around of where I started. So um, <clears throat> I started a, a little bit back farther um, just because I, I think, I, I, think I, uh, I had a little bit more exposure than everybody. But I started back. The first game I ever played, first computer game I ever played, was an old game called Gato. Now, if anybody knows what Gato is, it's a, uh, it's a class of submarine way back when so gato is actually a i believe it's a game that was written in basic um and you you are actually sorry you know what i just i actually lied the first game i ever played was a game called midway which was written in basic i know that was Uh, midway was the battle of midway Um, and if anybody remembers their history uh, we won the battle at midway but it was a bunch of aircraft carriers that were being uh, attacked off Midway, and there were Japanese planes that were kamikazing them and whatnot. And it literally, the entire game was, um, it 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 was like a grid square. That's all it was. It was just this grid of dots that represented where you were. And there was a, uh, you know, like a, a Y for the for the Yorktown. And there was uh, an E for the Enterprise type thing. So there was literally all this stuff. <laughs> and, I mean, it was, it was so rudimentary and there was no graphics to it whatsoever. But I played the hell out of this game because it was what was there. Um, but it wasn't really the game that hooked me into video games. I, I worked with computers long, long into that, um, you know, into Midway. Played Gato, played old DOS games. Um, but that game didn't really hook me. I enjoyed a lot of them. Uh, I played all the Sierra games from King's Quest to Space Quest. Space Quest is a fun one, by the way. It's uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek humor. But, you know, just, just all the quests, Space Quest, King's Quest, um, 
pretty much all the all of them that you can think of too. And I played every single one of them, but they didn't hook me. Uh, the the game that actually hooked me that really said, "Okay, I'm a gamer," was a game that uh, a lot of people know because it's a Final Fantasy game. It was actually Final Fantasy IV, which was released as Final Fantasy II in the states. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but I was I was pretty young, and it came out for Super Nintendo. Now my brother had a Nintendo, and he got the Nintendo, and you know he shared it as much as an older brother would. But when Christmas came along this time around, I got the Super Nintendo. And I shared it about with him about as much as he shared his Nintendo with me. So, <laughs> I remember going down to the old... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I, I remember that going was... down to the old, uh, the old farm supply store. And it was, it was weird because this farm supply store actually had games that you could rent. So I'd save up my money each time. I, I, I'd get, I think I'd get 50 cents uh, a day for a snack at school. And I would save up my 50 cents, and each weekend I would rent it on a Saturday, because Sundays you didn't have to bring it back, and I would, uh, I, would, I would rent it on a Saturday and then bring it back on Monday, and I would rent out Final Fantasy IV. And uh, the main character in Final Fantasy IV, his name was Cecil. Uh, and I think I've already said on one podcast, so I'll just I'll give it away here. But his last name, it was, his, his full name was Cecil Harvey, which a lot of people don't, rec- don't remember his, uh, his full last name. So anywho... That game uh, hooked me, hook, line, and sinker, hands down, into video games. Um, I knew after playing that game that I was going to be playing video games for the rest of my life. Uh, I would be the old guy with a controller in my hand, carpal tunnel, and, and everything else, and, and I, I, I would be that guy. I knew it right then. And the, th- the thing that hooked me is actually something that Zyberblood uh, really hit on a- already is that the, the storyline yeah. and that it, uh, it did. It, it, hooked you, it hooked you in multiple ways. It, it, um, now, granted, keep in mind that this came out in 16-bit graphics days, so you're talking about little sprites on the screen. Uh, the thing that, that, that Blue Shark already said he disliked, which was the turn-based system, um, but... I think the reason that I I loved it so much is I came up in the era of you had to use your imagination. I came up in games like Midway where you didn't have any graphics. You had dots on the screen. That's all you had. You know, you didn't have the megs and megs of memory. You just had, uh, you know, you just had dots on the screen that you were staring at. Um, so you had to use your imagination. You had to, to, to bring into your head that there were, there were planes, you know, flying across the, the landscape, crashing into ships and that, you know, you had men dying and that, you know, you had to, you had to protect them. You know, the, you had to, you had to key that imagination in because without it, you, you were, you just weren't, you weren't going to make it. Um, so the, the game itself, while it had horrible, you know, drawn sprites, uh, and I say horrible, they, they were great for the time. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, in comparison to nowadays, they're, they're horribly drawn sprites. But the story, that's what was great about it, is that they didn't have, they didn't have graphics like they do nowadays. They don't have Nathan Drake graphics. They don't have, uh, you know, the, the, the Gears of War graphics. They don't have the Battlefield 1 graphics. They had barely anything. They had 16 bits to work with. They had, you know, 16 bits worth of color to work with. Um, yep. So it was just one of those... It was one of those you really, really had to think, and uh, and and the story just really 
really gripped you. It really, it really held you tight. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it just that's that's really what just stuck me to video gaming right there. And th- and there were times in that game that I did, you know, I, I felt I felt tugged down. Um, you know, it's it's old enough. I think I can give away enough spoilers, but uh, like when Absolutely. when when Yang sacrifices himself in the Tower of Babel for you. You know, yes. he pushes you out the door and says, get out. I'm going to save you. You know, he doesn't even say I'm going to save you. He just says, get out. And he kicks you out the door and he's in the room when it explodes or when when Porum and, and Palum and Porum or whatever the hell their names are, the twins, when they yes, the twins. when they cast Petrify on themselves to stop the walls yep. from coming in and crashing in on you. Um, I mean, even when Sid jumps off the airship to 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 seal the tunnel so that the the Empire or the Baron's uh, Red Wings don't come and kill you. I mean, it's just all these things of, of you know, you, you build up this this relationship with the characters, and then, you know, they, they go off and they do something heroic like that. And that that really set not only, not only told me that I was going to be playing video games for the rest of my life, but it also set the tone on every game I played after the fact. Um Every game I played after that, I, I I always play the heroic character before I play the asshole. Um, you know, games that came well after that, Infamous, where you get the choice of being a, a nice guy or a jerk. Uh, you know, even hell, games like Grand Theft Auto, where you run around and you can, you know, you can sleep with a stripper and then beat her for your money. Uh, you know, even things like that, I I, I always took the the high ground of it until, uh, yeah, until there was like trophies that came into play, and then it's like, all right, I guess I'll play the asshole to get that trophy. <laughs> but but also back then, it brought in one of your most famous coin phrases that you've ever had. Got to find a safe spot. Oh my god, yeah. So I think my wife <laughs> is actually going to have that, like like chiseled on my tombstone i found my safe spot <laughs> because literally and and in the old school games yeah i mean now anybody who plays games from pretty much 2005 on they're never going to really understand the concept of a save spot because they could save anywhere Game, games have mm-hmm. become so you know games have become so quick and accessible that you know you know it's like every mobile game that you have on your phone you don't have to save anymore. You just hit a button and you're, you're done. You're out. Back in the day, you actually had to find a save spot. You couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't just say, "I'm done for the day. I'm gonna stop right now." It could be eleven o'clock at night, and that save spot is forty-five minutes away because you've got to work your way through monsters or backtrack. And you know you don't want to backtrack. <laughs> you ain't backtracking. You don't want to do that shit. You, you want to keep going. You want to trudge yeah, through. Two potions, one phoenix down, one remedy, one ten. Oh god! <laughs> and if you're anything like me, like eight hundred elixirs. Yes. <laughs> god, those are so much better than potions. Yeah, and you know you aren't using those damn things for anything. Oh, I'm in this fight. Oh man, three of my characters are dead. Nope, nope. I'm not going to use an elixir yet. I know my one guy's <laughs> going to die. I'm not using it. I don't need it yet. You end yeah. the game, 452 elixirs. Well, geez, I guess those things really helped out, didn't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember um, when we got a, we got a Packer Bell. This is, this is before it was called Hewlett Packer. This is back when it was just called a Packer Bell. Yeah, before computer. they merged. 
Yeah, they uh, we had that that computer that was uh, that's when we got a desktop. You know that mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a big thing. Is you now have a desktop instead of having to start out in MS DOS, you went straight to the Windows desktop, and it came with Pod, which is some racing game that I don't think anybody ever know, knows ever heard of. Um, it came with the Dolphin game Echo. Um, which I think originally started out on the Sega console. Oh, my God. Echo the Dolphin. You just kicked back oh into God. the one yeah. game <laughs> that made me jealous of every one of my friends who had a Genesis. Because I had the Super Nintendo. Yes. Uh, that was one of the games that I got uh, right after I got my Genesis. I saved up so much money to get that damn thing. And it came with that game. I think uh, you were there when... Uh, I, I got it in for my uh, birthday that one year that we had the sleepover. And I wanted to kick you in the cock, too, because that game was friggin' awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, we ended up also going to the video store in Cambridge running the Sega CD for it and uh, Sewer Rats. Oh, my God, Sewer Rats. That was, the, that was the best and worst game that ever, ever happened. Remember Night Trap? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Did you ever, Blue Shark, you ever play Night Trap? No, I um the only reason why I got exposed to Sonic was because of this Packer Bell came with a disc and it, it had Sonic the Hedgehog on it. And I remember playing those games, Sonic and Echo, and my god, I I think I was the happiest kid in the world when I figured out how to save in a game. Because I remember I would play those games and I'd be playing and I'd be playing and then i have to get pulled away. And I was like, well, fuck, I don't know what the hell to do. I guess I just have to close it and then I'd have to start all over again playing level one again with Sonic. And then yes, starting I off again that. with Echo and I was just like – and I think I eventually figured out how to save the game. And I think it involved one of the F keys. I want to say it was F5. Or something like that. I was just like, oh my god, you mean I can come back to this? This is great! Because it was always starting off at the beginning. The thing that I hated with the Genesis version of those games was sometimes, you know, you get a position code. And it's like, okay, you're scrambling to try and find a piece of paper and a pen that works to write this code down. (laughs) And, and the, you never have a working pen. It's like the fifth yeah. one. And that is something that people nowadays are never going to have to understand. They're never going to have to deal with trying to f- write down the friggin' 40-character-long Metroid code. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that you, you know you're, you're writing down something wrong. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my handwriting looks kind of like an epileptic is being attacked by a zombie. <laughs> Okay, so, oh my God. so, oh so when, I'm, when I'm sitting I, I there remember. trying to write, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to write this thing down as best I can. Is that a five? Is that an S? I don't know. Let me try both. Next thing you know, I'm starting off, the, I'm starting off with my character naked running around with nothing but a pea shooter. And I'm going, shit, that wasn't what I wanted. I had the freeze beam. Where the hell's my freeze beam? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. The, the whole handwriting thing that just brought me back to fifth grade with you and uh, Miss Phillips. Oh, Jesus. 
Yeah, there, there's commenting on both of our handwriting. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a back in the day right there. Uh, my handwriting was good in grade school. Like, like in like from like when they taught us how to write and in cursive up until high school. And then it started going downhill from there. And I remember my mom looking at my handwriting. I was like, why is your handwriting so damn sloppy? He's like, well, the teacher put something on the board. I've only got so much time before she takes it off the board. And I got to play catch up. So I just start writing like a doctor across the page. Man, you just nailed my 7th, 8th, <laughs> <Yep>. and like 10th <laughs> grade social studies. We had this guy. Yes. We had this guy called Mr. Poplaski. Yep, you, re- you nailed oh it right God. there. Mr. Poplaski. His whole teaching style was <laughs> he spent 45 minutes writing notes on the board. Didn't say a <laughs> damn word. Just re- spent 45 minutes. He had he had those three chalkboards across the front and then the three chalkboards across the right side. And he would just start <laughs> writing. And when he got to the end of those the, the six, he'd go back to the beginning, he'd erase it, and he'd start writing again. And guess what? If you were a slow-ass writer like me... You didn't get all the notes. And then, then, when you failed the test, and he goes, why'd you fail the test? And you tell him, because you didn't teach me. Yeah, that didn't work. That doesn't doesn't fly. In fact, uh, that usually gets you sent to the principal's office. (laughs) Uh, Yep. I I had the, the fortunate consequence thrown on me quite a few times. Because, well, one, I was blind as a bat, and... We really couldn't afford glasses back then. And I couldn't see crap on the board, so I'm slow as hell squinting at the board, trying to write this stuff down. He's going around to all the boards, gets back to the first board, starts racing everything, and it's like, I'm only halfway through the first board. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, I had a a professor in college. The man... Man knew theory like the back of his hand. He came from over uh, seas where um, the professors, their goal is to fail as many students as possible. And these students come into graduate school having taken like the high, like their undergrad. Their undergrad was like the highest level of mathematics. So they know all this damn theory. He would... He taught so much damn theory in a class that was supposed to be practical engineering that it just went <laughs> over your head. But he had this bad habit where he'd start an example, and he only did an example for one concept. And you're, you're like, I need to understand this concept. And he'd, he'd get halfway through it, and he'd go, hmm, yeah, let's change something. So you go back, and he changed it. So you're going back up like five pages previously trying to change what he just did. And then he'd start drawing over his shit, and you're just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I wish you stopped changing this damn crap. Uh, oh, yep. Don't uh, miss those days. Don't miss them. Nope. Fuck school, kids. It's horrible. No, but I can... Uh... I can definitely, I can definitely relate to that, but yeah, I mean, video games. Honestly, video games got me all the way through, keeping me sane, through yes. everything. In fact, I mean, a case in point is like right now. Um, I'm going to school to get my bachelor's. Yeah, I know I'm thirty something, get my bachelor's, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so, I'm going back get my bachelor's, and I'm the type of person that I cannot do a single thing 
Like, I cannot do one thing at a time. Like, take take tonight, for instance. I was just playing a, a Tiny Soldiers game, and now I'm on doing some search on Skype recorders so that I can get a better quality Skype recorder for the GNA podcast. Um, and I've been doing that the entire time while we've been going through because I can't do one thing at a time. I have to be doing multiple things. It's this, it's this weird thing. It's probably going to get me killed, and I'll probably my heart will stop somewhere <laughs> around like, uh, I don't know, you know, 10 minutes from now. But No, no. See, the thing is, your heart's going to stop when you stop doing multiple things. There you go. We all know how that is, Cecil. We all know how that is. I was going to say, I I always said that I'm going to be the guy who works till the day I die. They're just going to walk in, they're going to see me sitting at my desk, and they're going to walk right by thinking everything is hunky-dory. Then about two days later, when the smell really starts to hit them, they're going to go, hey, (laughs) Cecil's not really being all that much productive today, uh... What's he been up to? And somebody will move me and realize, oh, he died. Crap. Uh, well, at least you broke the source code. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll just be trying to figure out if they need to pay me for the past two days that I was there. Not what code I broke. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, then again, we're talking about a guy that drives better when he's asleep than when he's awake. And that, that, was, that, was like, that was like maybe... Okay, maybe a few times, but I nobody died, okay? <laughs> nobody died. Oh, that was the, the scariest thing. Um, we were moving from uh, Orlando to Fort Myers, and I had my first car. And it was a Pontiac Vibe. It's a hatchback. I have it loaded down with shit from my room that I'm going to need for the summer to survive because... My dad and I are going to be staying in Fort Myers while my mom's getting the house ready to sell in Orlando. So I've got my stereo. I've got my game consoles. You know, I got this thing loaded down with the essentials. We (laughs) normally, my dad and I, would drive from Orlando to Fort Myers nonstop. Stop for a piss break. Stop so he could grab coffee, maybe. We would sit in the car, sandwich in the right hand, steering wheel in the other, eating and driving. So my mom's with us this time. So we stopped for dinner. That was an hour-long venture. Heavy meal. We're driving, and I'm smacking myself across the face at 16. Like, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. I got a Coke. I've drank it. It's still not working it. I I was like, I'm going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, I'm dreaming. And I don't realize I'm dreaming. I'm just driving down the road, a road I've been down maybe once or twice in Fort Myers. And I'm driving. I'm like, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job driving, you know, for the first time at night, you know, this late. You know, and then I realized, holy shit, why is it so bright outside? And then I opened my eyes and I realized, oh, fuck. scared the shit out of me i was driving in between the lines but i thought i was awake while i was driving and it wasn't until i realized that it was really bright outside it's like no i'm driving at night there shouldn't be light (laughs) needed new pants after that been there once um, it was a late night in uh, Glens Falls. I went to a concert and I was driving home in my uh, first car, my Dodge Colt. And I woke up just enough time to hit my brakes and skim a deer. 
Oh, man. Was it a buck or a, a doe? Because the bucks it was a will. Doe. F- oh, okay. It was a doe. Bucks will fuck your car up. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, okay. But so, yeah. since, since we're talking about deer. <laughs> I have, a great, I, have, oh God. I have a great deer story. <clears throat> Actually, I'm, I'm going to lead into two because the first one's pretty quick. So there I am. I've got this car. It was an old 86 Toyota Corolla. I called it Lillo. Now, for any of you Linux heads out there, you'll recognize Lillo as the Linux loader. Well, that was not my car. My car was called Lillo because it got lighter and louder every time you drove it. <laughs> Something would rust off and fall off. Usually it was a piece of the manifold, so it got louder and louder. So I'm driving this thing. Now keep in mind, this car had, it was like a 1.4 liter POS engine in it. And I love this car. Don't get me wrong. I loved this car. But if I could get it up to 80 miles an hour, I was running downhill. That's that's about (laughs) how this car was. So I'm driving. And there's this long straightaway when you're heading over to Rupert, Vermont from Salem. That's a really long-ass straightaway. And usually, you know, it's when you're young, you, you floor it. You see how fast you can get going. So yeah. I've got this, I've got yes. this car wound, str- like, just full on out. The, the engine's screaming. I'm in fifth gear. It's, uh, you know, it, it's pinned out as fast as it's going to go. And I'm, I'm doing, like, 68 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, like, Boom, right in front of me, these deers run across. So this one jumps in the middle. And, of course, the, the very oh-so-classic deer in the headlight, it, it, yep. it goes in there, stares at me. So I juke the car left, it runs left. I juke the car <laughs> right, and it runs right. So I juke the car left again, and it runs left. And I went, fine, you know, fuck it, I'm going to hit you. So I aim the car at the damn deer this time. I tag it right off the front right side fender. Now, as I hit this thing... <laughs> It spins, and I see it. Like, I look out my si- my passenger side window. This thing, boing, spins right around. I'm like, holy shit, I just hit a deer. And the thing spins, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror. There's a car coming at me. So this car is seeing this whole thing, probably laughing their ass off. As I look <laughs> in my rearview mirror, I'm just sitting there cursing and, and like, really getting pissed at this deer. I'm like, you fucked up my car. I am going to come back there, and I'm going to gut you myself. So I see this deer. <laughs> And it's got its ass on the ground. It's got its two front legs stuck straight out, joints locked, and its head is spinning around like it, just like it's a speed bag, just wah, <laughs> So I see this car pull up on it, and it stops, and there's this deer just sitting in the road. I tag this thing perfectly with my passenger side fender right off the noggin. I'm like, damn. Oh. So I'm looking. I'm driving away, thinking to myself, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna drive back, and I'm gonna kill that deer if it screwed up my car. So I get out, I look, and it's just some like fur caught in the, the light. So oh. now comes the second story. So that that's funny enough on its own. Now now we get into the grotesque. Hold on, I remember the last days of Lillo. One of them uh, when you were coming to visit me. Oh, you give yeah. me a call coming down uh, Center of Cambridge Road or the back side of Center of Cambridge Road or something like that. Hey, uh, I, something just flew off my car, and I think it was important. I'm going home now. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was cruising on up to your house. And as I'm driving, I think I was doing about 40 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, like this big sheet piece of something with cabling attached to it, 
gone. Just I, I see it come right over the windshield, right from the front, just right over the windshield and over. And it, fl- oh my flew, off, it flew off into the grass. And the car started running a little rough. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I needed whatever that was. <laughs> and I pulled over, and I get out of the car. And the car's like, you know, doing one of those... And I'm like, yeah. So I literally call him on my old, like, Nokia whatever phone. Brick. Dude, uh, yeah, so something just flew off my car. I'm pretty sure it was important. I'm going to take it back to the house and uh, figure out what it was. Sure enough, I, I, I think it was actually... I think it was actually part... I think it was actually part of the head that took some of the spark plug wires with it because... That thing did not oh run, God. and I, I was missing wires afterwards. Damn. Um, it was, uh, yeah, that, that car was, was very unique. I'm really surprised it lasted as long as it did. <laughs> so yeah. the second story now, okay? This one was fantastic. I had an old 03 Accent. Now, this little car, actually, yes. this car this car <laughs> ran like a raped ape. This, this one really did go. It had dual overhead cams, and it, it really did. For a little, for a little piece of shit, 1.6 liter, it really did. It had a little pep. They don't like cars, so yeah. I mean, they can they can fly. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would frequently have this car up to about 110 miles an hour. So I mean, yeah, they, and you got some pretty good sound out of it too. Oh yeah, that well that that's Jesus Christ! I could spend a whole show talking about that. So, <laughs> so I work. I, I used to work at uh, I used to work at this ski resort, Willard Mountain, uh, in Easton, New York. If you want a good family mountain to go to, go check this place out. It's a great place to go. So I used to work up there in the ski res- in the in the rental lodge, and one night I forget how long it was there, but me and Gur were uh, yes Gur. If you ever watched Invader Zim, Gur. His name is Gur. Uh, me and Gur were uh, <laughs> chilling out there, and uh, we we were getting something set up. It was like like ten o'clock at night. We were there late, so he was there. His sister was there. Um, and his girlfriend was there. And I you know we got all done. I said all right, man, I'm I'm heading out. So the path I always took to get home was some back roads that went right by his house. So I'm cruising down, and I'm, you know, it's, it's snowy. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's upstate New York in the, in the end of, tail end of January. So, you know, it's cold. It's snowy. There's, there's snow. There's ice everywhere, whatever. So I'm cruising along these back roads, and I'm being pretty cavalier like I normally am. I'm going about, you know, you know. 50 60 miles an hour on some on some pretty tight turns yeah zyber blood already knows what's coming that's why he's laughing oh no 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 it's not just that it's i've i've rode around with cecil quite a bit in my life and on the back roads greenwich or shushin or salem where we grew up it's a lovely experience. Sometimes you wish you had an extra pair of briefs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you, you you were you were definitely considering changing into your brown pants. Yes, yes. So there I am. I'm, I'm cruising over these back roads, and I come over this little knoll, and all of a sudden there's a deer right in the middle of the road. So I juke quick left with the car, and it runs like into the passenger side quarter panel. Now, keep in mind, I, I just got this car. I mean, I, it had 6,000 miles when I when I first acquired oh, it. Oh, oh. And I think it had about 8,000 or 9,000 miles on it at this point in time. So I'm driving, and this thing tags the front fender, and I am pissed. I am so pissed. So I stopped the car. Like, I hit it. I'm like, shit, what was that? 
I stop the car, I get out, and I run around the front to see what damage was done. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if this car is fucked up, I am going to go kill that deer. I'm going back there hands-on, and I'm ripping it apart. So I look, and I'm looking at everything, and I got my lights, you know, my, my, my tail lights were on. So it gave this red hue back. So about, you know, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 yards behind me. I see this deer standing on the side of the road, and I'm looking at it going, dude, if you screwed up my car, I'm coming for you. <laughs> so I look at my car, little fur in the uh, in the headlight, you know, little, uh, you know, little little superficial scratches, nothing nothing heavy duty, barely something I could notice at night. So I'm like, all right, I'm fine. So I get the car and I continue. I drive home. So uh, I don't sleep that much. So I'm I'm sitting there watching some TV. All of a sudden, my phone goes off, and it's Gur. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey man, what's up? You all right? <laughs> So Gurr is, uh, he's sitting there, he's like, oh, man, I, uh, it's like, gosh, geez, I was, I was on my way home, and, uh, man, I, I, I hit a deer. I'm like, you hit a deer? I was like, dude, I said, uh, I said, it's weird that you say that, because on the way back, I went across, I went by your house, I said, and a deer ran into my car, and he goes, you asshole, you don't move your dead out of the road after you hit it? I'm like, whoa, hold on, pause. I did not kill any deer. I did not. There was no deer in the road when I left. He was standing on the side of the road. And he's like, dude, I came across that knoll and there was a deer dead in the middle of the road. He said, I hit it with my car. He's running. He's driving a Pontiac Sunflower, by the way. Oh, said, oh God. He said, yes. I hit that thing. My undercarriage grabbed a hold of its rib cage and ripped it open like a zipper. He's like, there was gore everywhere. It plastered all over the back, all over the side of my girlfriend's truck. Yep. He's like, it was everywhere. My sister was in the car. She's traumatized. I'm like, dude. It's like, it was not dead in the middle of the road. He's like, I'm dragging carcass out of the road. I'm picking up pieces of jawbone, man. I'm like, dude, it wasn't me. I don't care what you're saying. So, so it was what, absolutely gruesome. So you hit the deer and he flew over your car and there there was the husband on the side of the road going you killed my wife you <laughs> bastard that's that's gotta be what happened because when i got out of the car i'm looking and there was a deer standing on the side of the road looking at me like i'm a piece of shit and i'm going dude <laughs> like you just fucking ran into my car man what are you giving me that look for i'm, I'm gonna come back there i'm gonna kill you killed care. my wife <laughs> so but here here's the best part all right so the next morning, because I got to go to work, I, I I drive up. He's like, "Yeah, man, come over. We'll ride together." I'm like, "Yeah, cool. That's, that's a good idea, man. That's cool." So, I ride over to his house, and I hop in his car. And we're driving, and I'm I'm sitting there, and he's got the he's got the heat turned up really way too high, like 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 abnormally high for this gentleman. I mean, granted, we, we oh, we're in upstate New York, so you got to have your heat on, but he's got yeah. his heat turned up a oh, little man. too high. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, what the hell is that smell? So I look over, I'm like, dude, uh, what's that smell? He looks at me, he's like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. I've been having to deal with that this whole time. So, so it turns out that when you hit a deer and you rip it open like a zipper, the entrails actually get stuck in your engine. Um, and not only in your engine, but all over the underside of your car and in your vents and everywhere that you could possibly oh think God. that deer yep. entrails could possibly get. So 
<laughs> we drop his car off. All right, we drop his car off to go get uh, to go get the oil change. Oil change. Yep, and uh, we drop it off at his. Fr- I think it's like his cousins or something. We come back to get it. <laughs> and we walk in. We're like, "Hey, uh, so uh, how'd the car go?" He's like, "I don't know what the hell is on that car." <laughs> He's like, "But it's disgusting." <laughs> He said, I, I had I had to put in, he said, I had to go get the bathroom spray and hose it down with that orange cleaner because it was disgusting. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in there with it. Oh, so, God. so we drive this thing to, uh, to Toga and we're, we're looking around. We see that there's this Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Hoffman's, oh my God. We pull, we pull into this Jiffy Lube, this Hoffman's Jiffy Lube. And he rolls down the window, and you could see the look on the guy's face. He could already smell it, like because the day had started to warm up a little. He he could already smell it, and he looks at us, and he's like, uh, "What'll it be?" And girl leans out the window and goes, "Will this car wash take the take deer entrails off the undercarriage of a car?" And the guy looks at him without missing a beat and goes, "One way to find out." And marks on his uh, marks on his windshield, super. We took, we took that thing through the car wash, and we're looking behind us, and it seriously, it looked like a slasher film. It, it, it looked like Jason Voorhees just had attacked the inside of that car wash. It was horrendous. And the best part was, uh, it was either that night or the night after that you had the uh, first round of you're all gonna burn in hell. Oh, you're all gonna rot in prison. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. yeah. God. Yeah. It was. It, and, it was actually two nights after that because we had we had gotten the car yes. washed. One night went by and we had a day off from Willard. So. Yeah, and when Gur came to pick me up to go to Cecil's. Oh God. The car's still had that very lovely game odor to it. That pungent aroma of venison and trails. Yeah, yeah. Let alone, that night, he almost did a repeat of it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't don't forget that he got pulled over by that cop. Oh, yeah, that, that was an interesting time also. That was the second game. The second night for the game. <laughs> yeah, so so just so so everybody's caught up to pace on your all gonna rot in prison. Back uh, back in the day where we we were like not only one hundred percent nerds, but we actually started defining the word nerds. We actually we actually oh. wrote our own tabletop RPG. Oh, um, really? Me, me and a gentleman named uh, Brian Solomon. Uh, we called him Solomon. The long story behind that. So. Oh. <clears throat> It was back when I think Resident Evil Two or th- actually I think it was yeah I think I think I think it was Resident Evil Two had just come out and I was big into zombie games at the time so we were looking at it and we were uh, we were talking and we were saying how we could get you know a good game going so we started talking about it and we literally we sat down we wrote out the entire game from beginning to end. We wrote all the rules. We wrote all, you know, basically everything that you could do. So we wrote all stats, but we played it completely different. We, we uh, you know, I'm, when it comes to RPGs, especially when I haven't played with whoever the player characters are, I like to write characters and then say, okay, look, this is an RPG. You've never played RPGs before? Okay, great. Here, this is who you are. Read this. 
this is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to be. Oh, <clears throat> and uh, you guys did the acting too. Well, yeah, well, yeah. well, we didn't do like LARPing or anything like that. But we, oh, okay. it, it, it was um, I, I just, just I, I've, I've, I've DM'd so many RPGs, and every single time you say, "Hey, let's create a character," everybody invariably creates a character that is an extension of themselves. And while that's fun to play, it always ends up being you know you're you're playing. A game you. with the same guy, and that's really, in my opinion, that's not what RPGing is about. RPGing is about role playing, about playing somebody who's not you. So, in you're all gonna rot in prison. It, uh, <clears throat> well, he's, I think we just lost Blue Shark, but I'll keep going. Um, so, in all, you're all gonna rot in prison. How it rolled out was there were a bunch of prisoners in jail. They're in like an Alcatraz-style maximum security prison. And I handed each person a prisoner. Like, for instance, uh, Zyberblood played a guy. Yes. I don't remember your full name. I only remember it being Sarge. Yes, same here. That's all okay. I remember from it, playing Sarge. Yeah, so he played an old military vet who I forget why you were put in prison. but you... I lost my mind um, when I saw someone beating a woman. That was it. And totally obliterated him. Yeah, so he ends up being in this max security prison because he's a veteran who knows how to kill people, and he just totally went off on him. So that's why he's in prison, but he's playing a vet with PTSD. So that was like his whole character. That was his whole role. And that's not... That's that's not Zyberblood. Zyberblood is not a vet. Zyberblood, no. you know, he no. may have PTSD, but it's not pro, not from being a vet. <laughs> you know, okay. it might our, it might our, be from uh, me driving. Growing up together. Yeah, it might yeah. be from me driving him around. But uh, <laughs> that that was like the whole that was the whole point of the game is to play somebody that you're not, to play a character. Actually, I think my uh, PTSD is from the napalm experiments. That could be too. Are you sure it wasn't from that nitro that Sarah brought down the stairs? Oh, that could be too. <laughs> Absolutely. That added to it. So you're all going to rot in prison, started off with a bunch of guys in a jail cell that haven't been fed for two days. And, you know, they heard an explosion two days ago, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, the doors open. That's how the game started. Um, and I may have already mentioned this on a podcast before, but who cares? But it started off so intense. And that's where actually Zyberblood came in because he was this guy named Sarge. And every, every time that you got bitten or attacked by a zombie, you had to roll to see if you got infected. Yep. Well, the thing that Sarge didn't know is that he got infected the first hit he got. So he got hit, and he got infected right away. So we Well, it didn't really matter anyways, because my roll sucked up until the end of the game. Yeah, that was your one good roll. That's why we coined it the Sarge Jump. So all the way through this game, all the way through the game, this guy, okay, keep in mind, I, I wrote him as a ex, ex, or like an ex-Marine, or an ex, well, an ex, or no, an ex-Army Sergeant. So I wrote him as somebody yes. who knew what they were doing, knew how to handle weapons, knew how to improvise. You know, I wrote him how, how you know, an Army person would be. You throw him into a situation where they're pretty much fucked, they're going to figure out how to turn a chair leg into a club and kill you with it. So... Zyberblood rolls. Every fucking roll he does is is shit. Basically every roll. Like he 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 didn't botch every single one, but he damn near close too. So he gets bit right off the bat, and of course, 
what happens? He gets infected right off the bat. So me and Solomon were looking at each other like, well, fuck, he's infected. What do we do now? Like, well, we got to go through the progression. We were hoping that nobody was going to get infected until like midway through so that they wouldn't start showing symptoms until like, you know, the end of the game. Well, Zyra Blood, we get to, we get like midway through the game and all of a sudden he's, he's like incapacitated. He's on the ground. He's pale. He's got a fever. He's turning. So we're like, well, shit, we can't just write him out of the game right now. So, of course, we do a little, you know, a little, little fun DMing and uh, we get him back into the game. So he yeah. The amazing thing is at that point where I'm supposed to be taken out of the game, I start rolling better. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, <laughs> well, like, all right, let's 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 figure out some DM magic here. Let's get him back into the game. So we get him back into the game, and uh, <laughs> and we get we get him all the way there. And at the very end, like we're, me, me and Solomon, literally Zyra Blood, we were trying to figure out how to kill you because yep. we're like, we can't let you survive. There's, we, we we've given you a buy. There's no way you're surviving. Yes. Yeah. So the last game, the idol of Galactus was put out before us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, we're sitting there and we're literally trying left and right to kill Zyra Blood's character. We're trying to kill Sarge and we can't. <laughs> we physically can't kill him. Every time we try to do something, he outrolls it. <laughs> we're like, "Hey, well, uh, that that one was uh that one was a luck roll, so roll again." He'd roll again. He'd fucking do it. It's like, "God oh, damn God. it." So we finally get it all the way to the end. <laughs> and Sarge, being the guy he is, and we're like nudging him towards yep. it. We're saying, "All right, come on, come on, come on." So he 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 says, "Okay, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to stay back yes. here." I'm going to blow this shit up so that you guys can get away. So he presses the button, and there's a delay. So what does Zyberblood say? Hey, can I try to jump into the boat that's 20 yards away? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. You're never going to fucking do it. Go for it. So what's he roll? Roll for it. What's he roll? He rolls a natural 20. So we look yep. at him, and we say, hey, dude, uh, just heads up. You know, one natural 20 is not going to do it. you got to roll again. you got to roll doubles on this. So what's this guy do? He rolls a second natural 20. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then, then I get handed a, a, a dice that isn't one of my own. And, no, you got to roll it again. Yep. You got to roll it again. The motherfucker <laughs> does it. He does a 20-foot jump into a boat. Now, here's the best part. Not only do we make him roll like that, and we say, hey, we're making this impossible. We roll for that, but we also make the people in the boat roll an 18 or higher to say that the boat doesn't tip over and everybody's fucked everybody rolls everybody rolls a 19 or higher like son of a bitch so there it is end of the game (laughs) sarge makes it through me and solomon just look at each other like what the hell are we gonna do we we weren't planning for him to be alive in the next game he's infected he's supposed to be dead nope (laughs) nope he's there he's alive he's there Oh my god. Chalk it out to that injection I got while I was laying there dying. Yep, yep. By Mystery X character. Yeah, the, the <laughs> scientist. So, Cyberblood, you, you, you're going to tell me that you next went to a casino and just took the whole house, right? Playing craps? I wish I could, but no. I went uh, home. <laughs> Should have, man. After getting. Uh, a little tipsy on the drinking of the game and passed out. 
Yeah, but that's uh, I, I, I'm actually Zyberlet. I'm actually thinking about resurrecting you're all gonna rot in prison for one of the GNA podcasts. Oh, nice. Just uh, nice. I know we've done it already, but it's been it's been a decade or more since we've done it. So I think it might be time to bring actually, it back. Actually, I've been waiting for the next brew. We were supposed to do it on Roll Twenty one time, and everybody had like crazy stuff going on, so it got put to the wayside. I know I've mentioned it a few times of like, hey, when are we going to do the Roll20 thing? And it never bounced around. Well, we tried to do the third installment of You're All Gonna Rot, but everybody ended up getting killed by monkeys throwing flaming poo. Well, <laughs> let alone the mutation that uh, Sarge became. <laughs> yeah, but we, we killed off Sarge at the end of the second one. Yes, all thanks to Shinzu and the rocket launcher. Yeah, who friggin' launched the rocket at the side of the damn dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the oh, only time wow. the only time we gave somebody we're like, look, dude, all you gotta do is roll like a five or higher. It's an RPG. You hit <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fucking it's a fucking tiger. You you know, you hit anywhere, you're gonna do the damage you need to do. What's he roll? A fucking one. A oh. one. It's like seriously, guy. Yeah. You could roll anything you want, and you roll a one. <laughs> what are the odds? Matman actually is not a tabletop RPGer, so I may have to bring back your all gonna rot in prison for Matman and force him to play it. I've <laughs> actually never done that. Tabletop RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons. Like I never got to that level of nerd. Um, oh, you're missing out. We're going to pop that cherry on you, Blue Shark. Oh, <laughs> man. I mean, oh, speaking speaking of uh, that, your uh, homebrew, I had a dinner with Putz last Friday. Gene the Machine. The game, yeah. Yeah, the game came up. I was going to say, Putz, uh, our, our good friend Putz, he played a gentleman named Gene the Machine Dudley. He was an Irish guy who got put in jail. I forget why. I actually got his whole bio still. But he got put in jail. And he was <laughs> oh, oh, a nice. brick shithouse. Dumb as a box of rocks, but a brick shithouse. Best part about his character is that he tried to play him like an intelligent person. Tried to make a Molotov cocktail out of a can of gasoline and a rag. Ended up setting the whole side of the tower on fire. <laughs> <laughs> God. You Let alone when we uh, first got out of the prison area, climbing down into the sewer, he goes to do something and drops a grenade on us. Oh, no, that was where he <laughs> dropped himself. He dropped, no, one of the guys dropped onto a rock. That was way later in the game when you were guys dropping down in the sewer. Somebody dropped on a rock, knocked unconscious, and Gene dropped on top of him. Oh, yes, 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 that was it. And uh, his shotgun went off, hitting uh, Shinzu. Yep, 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 and doing damage to him because he dropped on a fucking rock. Oh, wow. (laughs) And my character was trying to carry myself and Shinzu down the sewer drain, and Gene slips, tries to catch himself, and ends up pulling the pin on a grenade and dropping it on us. Oh god, yeah. That was uh <laughs> that was that was a hell of a game. That actually turned out way better than I think anybody expected. That really was a uh, that's nerd right there. That's definitely that definitely enhances the nerd portion of this this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got to do that. We got to get uh we got to get a good tabletop going and break Blue Shark and Matman's cherry on that t- on that one. Absolutely. 
I mean, I still have my Roll20 account if you want to do it through there. Yeah, there's actually, uh, we got a couple of things that we can do. There's also, uh, like, Frontier or something like that. I got to look it up. But I'll find it and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post it out and chat or something. Well, we so are. Oh, go ahead. So you guys went from computer and console games to tabletops. Oh like, no, I started off originally on tabletops, but like video game wise, it went for me to uh, my first arcade game back when I was like almost five years old, uh, playing Atari. Oh yeah, man! Okay. Quarter, 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 quarter. <laughs> yeah, I started. Yeah. I actually started off with video games before I moved on to tabletops. My first tabletop was actually with. Actually, remember Jay Crash? Yes. My yes. first tabletop ever was with him and his brother. You remember Mark, his brother? Yes. Lorenzo. Yes. Mark. Yep. Yeah. So we sat down and we played a game Up called. Up in the loft. Uh, yeah, we played. Well, actually, no, it was actually at his parents' house. Uh, we played a game yeah. called... Uh, yeah, at at his parents' house up in the loft in the garage where they used to do the jam sessions. Yeah, but we, we weren't in the garage where we played this. We played an old game All right. uh, by Iron Crown Entertainment called Middle Earth Role Playing. Okay. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's 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 The Hobbit, it's Frodo, you know, it's all the ho- it's all those people. But it was, uh, it was set in the same kind of era, but... I remember it, and it stuck with me so well because Lorenzo was a incredible storyteller. He described things so well. Uh, one thing stuck out in my head that to this day I can remember it. We were playing. One of the guys, actually Jay's character, was a hobbit, and he had a sling. So he picks up a rock, and we, we're, we're cruising along. I forget where we're going to, but we're cruising along, and we get attacked by a bear. And so this bear is coming at us. So he takes a sling and he starts, you know, we start attacking. So I, I start preparing a spell because that's who I was. And as I'm preparing the spell, he, Jay's character pulls up a sling and he launches a rock. He gets a critical hit. Well, he's using a sling, so it's, a critical hit isn't too fantastic. But the way Lorenzo described it. So he's sitting there and he goes, okay, so... Says you launch this thing up. You get a you you. He he was describing it just so eloquently. He said, "You get your swing." He says, "As you get it, you feel the perfect momentum come around and you let go." He says, "The rock hits the bear on the side of the face and it shatters because it hits him so hard." He said, "You can see the bear reel in pain." And I, this is just as he's describing it, and I'm like, "Man, this is what I want to do. This is incredible. This is." This is better than any video game that I've played so far. This is, this is surreal, and that's what got me into tabletops. That's what I mean. That that game, Middle Earth Role Playing, which I still have over on my shelf now, uh, but that's where that came from. Yeah, that's that's really what got me into gaming was that escape into another reality. Absolutely. Like when you can. When you can immerse yourself or, like, take your... Like, you were talking earlier before we... I think we went on this long-ass tangent. Like, the only reason why you're surviving college right now is because of video games. And I'm guessing it's because it's an escape for a period of time just to kind of get away from it all. Like, going on a vacation. 
Yeah, it's a mind checkout where you can where you don't have to be yourself. I see. Yeah, yeah. Like when I play video games, when I play well, when I play any games whatsoever, mm-hmm. I'm big into immersion. You know, I, I like to I like to dive straight in. I like to try to relate to a character. That's why a game for me, like it can be the shittiest game in the world, but if I really <laughs> immerse myself in it, I really can get into it. Um, like, did you guys ever play Run Like Hell? Um, Pink Floyd song? No, no, no. It was it was a it was the a, app game. No, it was a it was a space adventure game where you were. And this is going to sound a lot like Dead Space in a second, but you were a character who got onto the space station, and when you got there, everybody was was gone, and there's just these monsters there. Uh, and it, it was uh, an action. It was an action game. There was no real RPG element. You got uh, you got weapons. It was kind of the isotropic kind of look, but um, a band, Breaking Benjamins, did the entire soundtrack. In fact, the entire really? Saturate album is basically the soundtrack oh, wow. for the game. Yeah, if it now going back and playing it now, it's it's going to be horrible because it just the, the controls were really sluggish. Um you know, the the polygons on it were really really obvious. You know, so it was it was a really rough game. I think I played it on Xbox originally, but I was able to immerse myself in the game probably mostly because at the time I was really digging Breaking Bees. But uh <laughs> I really immerse myself in the game because that's just kind of how my mind works when I get into a game. I like to just throw myself into it. Um, that's why I like horror games like Dead Space. They just, they're so entertaining. You know, I can, I can really get myself into that mindset. You know, when a game really does kind of pull out that immersiveness, like, like okay, take, take Dead Space, for instance, as I keep saying it. In that game... You play as Isaac Clark, and you are mm-hmm. running through taking out the necromorphs, which are basically this monolith they found by cracking open this planet, releases all these things that turn normal human beings into these necromorphs. Yes. So in that game, you go through, and as he breathes, okay, the best way to play that game is with a pair of headsets on, a good, solid pair of headsets, really loud, lights off, only the TV oh holding it up. That's the eleventh hour style, or, or a fatal frame rather. Exactly, frame exactly. The, the way to play that game oh is Lord, lights out. All you know, all the sound way up, and as you're playing, you actually, as you start running, you hear like the thing, the little, the little things that gaming p- companies put in that really make it immersive. Those little sounds, those little things that you you barely pay attention to, that are, you know are, are barely there. You know, you, you don't even notice them half the time unless you're really paying attention. But like Isaac breathing, you know, you're running through. You just did a sprint and you stop and all of a sudden he's breathing and you can hear him breathing through like the respirator. Or when he goes out into a place where there's no atmosphere and all of a sudden all the sound is gone. Yeah, and you can only hear his breathing. Exactly. You're getting attacked yeah. by something from the side of you and you're getting hit and he's breathing really hard because he's getting struck but you don't know what the hell's going on. You look over to the right, all of a sudden a necmor- necromorph is chowing on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, little things like that really bring a level of immersion in games that that really set apart great games Speaking from... of uh, from... Dead Space, that one game you got me on the PS3 uh, where you play that engineer and you have to hack your way through. 
Ooh, PS3. I can't remember the um, name of that Dead Space game, but well, that was fun. I was going to say, if, if it was Dead Space, it was uh, one of the main Dead Space. Dead Space 1, 2, or 3. I think they were all released for PS3. Speaking of, uh, like, I got to say, EA really nailed it with Dead Space. Um, you know, Dead Space 1, fantastic. Really, really changed the whole whole genre of horror games for me. Mostly because, like, literally, I and, and if, if, if you guys didn't, well, I, I don't know how you didn't, but playing that game, I stomped on everything, whether it was moving or not. Yeah, I, I went far past uh double tap exactly yeah i, I would keep st- like i'd stomp on something once pieces of it would fly off and i'd keep stomping on it until the pieces were small that's 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 where that game brought me yeah i found myself in a predicament where something i shot it fell down it was supposed to be dead it would get up i'd shoot it again die i'd waste all my ammo on me just making sure that one thing never got up again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I never really got into the horror games because I never liked getting the shit scared out of me. But the stories <laughs> behind them, like Resident Evil and Dead Space, uh, are compelling enough to catch my interest. So I would watch someone play these games. But I already... I know, like some games will throw in like a horror element, like the the Redeads in uh, the Legend of Zelda, and yes. um, there was a like uh, Zelda with the booze. Yeah, and, and there's uh, there's an element in this new Final Fantasy game where it's kind of scary, and you have these things are lying on the ground, and like the way I, my mind runs is like. I want to control this character to the full extent, but they're not letting me. Because you know what? Damn it to hell. I see that thing. I am not walking past that thing without taking a sword or a gun out and just going, Ugh! Ugh! Die, motherfucker! Die! Dude, you just described my entire dead space, like, like life. You'd walk by something, you'd see something dead on the ground, and you'd be like, is that going to get up at me? No, no, we ain't fuck. We ain't fucking playing this. And you'd start stomping. Like you'd get closer and you'd stomp, and then you'd get closer and you'd stomp again, and you'd keep stomping until either it came at you and tried to kill you, or it was in small pieces. Yes. But that was the cool part about like like Dead Space and its progression. It Dead Space started off as a single player only game. You jumped in, that was it. So the second Dead Space came out, and they added multiplayer or PvP, um, where you could play Necromorph, okay. so you could play. You know the Ooh. the humans, and it was really it was fun. It wasn't fantastic, but it was fun. It grabbed it, it, uh, it gained uh, another element to the game. But Dead Space Three, by far, has nailed the cooperative game. It 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 has cooperative hands down, and simply for this one 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 scenario, and I'm going to lay it out for you. So me and my brother, uh, Fairweather. We, we always used to find games that we could play together. Uh, Dead Space was one of those games. We actually started off in Dead Space 2, and then we moved on to, like, Battlefield and all that shit. But Dead Space 3 came out, and 
I was playing as Isaac Clarke, and he was playing as the, I forget the supporting character, but he was playing as the second character. And it was a co-op game, so you basically, it was cool because when you played together, both characters were there. When you didn't play together, they basically made it so that other player character was on the radio doing things supporting you instead of being right there next to you. So if the player was there, all of a sudden you met up and you were together. And if that player wasn't there, then they were just on the radio helping you out and every now and then would come in and help. Well, the one scene we're cruising through, and we, had, we I think we had just flown our way to the space station. And my brother starts starts talking. He's like, wow, this is really weird, dude. I'm like, what's really weird? He's like, there's like these toy soldiers all over the place, like nutcrackers. And I was like, what? And I'm looking around, and it's just, it's it's a space station. It's it's gray, it's cold, it's, it's you know, a moody atmosphere. And I'm like, dude, there's no, there's no toy soldiers around, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I'm thinking, like, he's found something, like a secret somewhere. So I'm going over, and I'm looking at it, and he's like, well, like, right here. He's like, it's it's right here. And I'm going, well, what are you talking about, dude? There's nothing there. There's a, there's an oil drum there. And he goes, no, it's like, a, it's like a six, seven-foot toy soldier right here, man. And I'm going, dude. I don't know what you're seeing, bro, but I'm not seeing that. So we went to the point, like literally, that he took a picture with his phone, like the old crappy phones. He took a picture and sent it to me. And I'm looking at my phone, and I'm looking at this crappy picture of this toy soldier on his TV screen. And I'm like, well, shit, dude. If we're looking at the same thing, I'm not seeing that. I'm just seeing an oil drum, dude. And he's like, no, there's like a birthday cake here. I'm like, I'm like, bro, <laughs> you've lost it. There's something wrong, dude. You you finally cracked. We got to stop playing. He's like, no. There's like this kid talking. And I'm like, bro, there's nobody talking. Oh. And then all of a sudden, wow. dude, this is the part that creeped me the fuck right out. All of a sudden, these necromorphs come out of nowhere. And I'm shooting them. I'm, I'm just doing my normal thing. And I'm blasting. My brother's character is literally standing in one place with his hands on his head. And he's just like rocking back and forth. And he's just rocking. And I'm like, bro, come on, you gotta help me kill these things. He's like, I am killing these things. They're coming from all over the place. I'm like, like, no, they're not. They're attacking you. I'm killing them before they kill you. He's like, no, bro, I'm shooting them. I'm like, no, dude, you're standing still. Oh my god. Dude, that game <laughs> right there, that that moment right there defined the way co-op play should be in a horror game. Oh, I mean, that, we, that's just that's just perfect and then like that like goes back to spoilers uh dead space 2 where you start off in pretty much an insane asylum yep like like and you're and and you're seeing your girlfriend whom you thought was alive in the first game the spoilers still apply um this in your you just see her when she's like she's talking to you nice and sweet and then she just morphs into that just scary psychotic you know like beyond 10 you know level 10 crazy um just demon and it's just it just bends your fucking mind <laughs> exactly and that's the, that was the cool part about those games is that you always had to question whether something was real or something wasn't real yeah you know you, you always had to look and say did that just actually happen? And and it was, it was cool because in Dead Space Three, when my brother started having that happen to him, like at first, I really thought he was just fucking with me. I thought he was just really fucking with me, 
And then when I yeah. saw his character shaking back and forth and he's talking about all these things coming out, like at first, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, bro, what are you doing just shaking? He's like, what are you talking about? They're attacking. I'm like, bro, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, Deadites start attacking. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, bro, you got to kill these things. He's like, I, I am. I'm like, no, you're not. That that right there, just it nailed it. Yeah. Just they, they absolutely did. perfect. Yeah, because, you know, everyone looked would look at Isaac and go, what are you talking about? And, like, he's the only one who sees this crap. And then, like, you're, like, you're probably thinking toy soldiers dude what the fuck are you smoking like there's no 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 you're, you're you're screwing with me and then it's like holy shit he's right he's going crazy exactly well that's he's the thing his Spanish. character his character was going crazy that was the best part is that as isaac you're playing as isaac and you think your buddy is just like talking shit and then you realize no his character's actually going crazy and they put that into the game like nice. that that level of immersion is with just... the dead space isn't that the premise of the spire anyways yeah that it affects your mind absolutely and yes. the cool part is that when you were talking about dead space 2 and again spoilers but i think it was dead space i can't remember if it was extraction or, or ignition but in that game you actually end that game finding isaac clark and in the beginning of the dead space 2 game you meet the character that was in that game and it doesn't turn out well for that character i remember when you got your hands on uh the yeah. animated movie oh um, yeah like dude i just got dead space uh the animated movie have you seen it no dude you gotta come over i got some guinness in the fridge we're gonna watch this yeah you gotta watch this with <laughs> me because i'm not watching alone i've been playing dead space and this is scaring the shit out of me yeah oh dude yeah that's i i I, uh i've seen like the majority of some of the freddy movies that first came out like when they would do the halloween stuff nightmare on elm street yeah it wasn't actually halloween time i remember because the christmas tree was up my folks were out for something and i kept flipping the channel back and forth between Nightmare on Elm Street and something else. And that was the thing. He's like, I know I should have watched this because it's going to scare the shit out of me and I'm going to have fucking nightmares as a little kid. But you know what? It's so captivating. And it just draws you in. And that's what I, I, I like and I hate about these horror stories is, is they draw you in and they captivate you. But they scare the fucking shit out of you. Well, they get your adrenaline going. Yeah. They get yeah. that adrenaline going, and then they get you, you know, they, they get your senses heightened, and you're really looking around. Like, um, we actually, a funny thing was, we were actually, we, I think I think it was on one of our first podcasts, Matt Man and I were talking about horror movies, and uh, do you ever watch the old, the, well, the, the remake of House on Haunted Hill? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the newer one with, um, ah, uh, coming to me now well well if you've watched that new one it, it takes place in an old insane asylum and they locked yeah. all the doors so they trapped you in there and they, they did a really good job yep. on making using your imagination to make to make you work and then they really didn't give any big reveals until the very you know towards the end well the first time i watched that movie and i didn't share this on the podcast last time first time i watched the movie i was alone up in my room and i was on this old pull-out couch that was my bed um 
So there's nothing underneath it. And I had this cat. Wait, 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 wait. Is that why you had me come over that one time after school to watch it with you? No, 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 no. This was before that. This was before that. So um, I had this cat, and I named it One because my the, the parent of the kittens, we weren't going to keep any of the kittens, so we named them One, Two, and Three. We got rid of Two and Three, and we just happened to keep One, and it happened to be named One. So this cat was my cat and named One. And it was still... I miss that kitty. Yeah, it was still... Oh, so do I. It was still a kitten, really. I mean, it, it, it wasn't that old. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, and uh, I have a very extensive sword collection, like any other geek in the world. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm more of a... I got one of them staring me in the eye. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of one of those functional sword collectors or one of those cutlery collectors. I like to have all mine, you know, being good, high-carbon steel, you know, that stainless steel going to break if you, you touch anything with it. And ironically, mm-hmm. I use most of my blades for, for something, either camping or, or hunting or something. And I had this one sword I called the utility sword. Utility. <laughs> the utility sword. Because this sword, uh, my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now, she had gotten me off of eBay. And it ended up, it actually, there was a, a old Japanese flick that was actually turned into an American flick. But the, the flick was called Blind Fury. And okay. Rut, Rudger Howard actually started, starred in the American version of, of this, the movie. And the, the, the sword that she got me was actually one of the functional swords from the Japanese movie. Now, I didn't know anything about it. I, I thought it was just a, a prop. Well, she got it for me, and I'm looking. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> this is pretty cool, whatever. Oh, man. So it was back in my younger days where I would just use whatever was around. I used this thing to, like, <laughs> chop down trees, to cut down bushes. Yeah, to, to you know, tr- get a, get rid of a hangnail, whatever the hell happened. But this thing was sharp <laughs> as hell. Get rid of hangnail. Well, uh, literally, what, yeah. whatever I could possibly think of. This thing was sharp as hell, and I never, ever sharpened it. I didn't sharpen it for years. So I had this, this utility sword. It was a Gerber before there was a Gerber. Yeah, this thing did everything. I mean, this thing would slice, <laughs> dice, make julienne fries, whatever you could think of. So I had this thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm chilling out, and I'm watching this, you know, I'm watching this House on Haunted Hill. And I watch a lot of scary movies, so I don't spook too easy. But, again, there's that whole immersion factor. I really, I just dig in. I dive right in. So I'm watching this House on Haunted Hill, and I got all the lights off. And I'm like, whatever, and I'm watching it. And I'm just sitting there under the covers on this old pull-out mattress, for, you know, this old pull-out couch as a mattress, and I'm watching it. And, like, as I start watching it, I start getting a little bit more, you know, anxious. So, you know, then I'm like, all right, and I'm, I'm sitting up in the bed. And I'm like, all right, and now I'm, I'm kind of inching myself closer to the utility sword. Like, all right, now I've got this thing drawn because I'm the only person in the fucking house. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do, and I got it in my hands. Well, next thing you know, my fucking cat jumps up onto my leg. I almost sliced my whole damn leg off. Because this cat just scared the shit out of me. So there I am, screaming and yelling at this cat. And the cat looks at me like, what the fuck did I do? And bolts off, like terrified now, because it just scared the shit out of me. And of course, Uh of course, what the hell does the movie do? But it compounds it with having a scary fucking moment seconds after this cat scares the shit out of me. So, so there I am, thanking my lucky stars that I didn't just sever, sever my femoral artery and I didn't kill a cat. And I'm watching the rest of this movie bandaging my leg going, God damn it, I'm a fucking idiot. 
Oh, uh, uh, speaking uh. of um, scary movies, do you have a disposition to double-digit numbers? <laughs> double-digit numbers? Yeah, the fatal frame. Oh, Christ, 1142. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. All right, so I guess it's Cecil's story night. Um, so me and, <laughs> It is. Me and Gurr. Me and Gurr. It's great, though. Oh my god. We're we're I bought Fatal Frame for, for my Xbox for you know forever ago. And Gurr's Gurr's hanging out. And Gurr's super fucking young at this time. Um why his parents let him hang out with me, I, I don't know. I mean we never really got into trouble. I mean <laughs> we really didn't. I actually kept him out of trouble usually. But uh well, getting into trouble means getting caught. Well, but even the shit that we did do, it was pretty pretty mild, like luge style on a snowboards on a back hill. So okay. he's over, and we're playing Fatal Frame, and I'm I'm flipping through back hill at at the back of his house. He had this that hill in the back of his house. We stole some snowboards from Willard and went laying down luge style down it. It was what about off your deck down a snowbank onto the road, then down the road? Oh, nothing but net. You're talking about drunken drunken uh, Winter Olympics there. Yeah. So we're playing Fatal Frame to to, to completely divert the topic from Drunken Winter Olympics. We're playing Fatal Frame and uh, Gurr's playing. And uh, I'd already been through wherever he was, but I really didn't search through it. I I just kind of blasted through. But Gurr was literally searching around everywhere. I'm lurking through an old EGM at the time. And I'm reading through an article. And, uh, you know, lights are on. We're, we're, we're up in the middle of my room, and there's nobody else in the house, and the lights are on. Every light in the fucking house is on. I'm reading through. I'm reading through. All of a sudden, I hear him go, huh. Whoa. 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 And he jumps up on all fours onto the edge of the bed, and he's literally, he's like, he's he's pounce, he's ready to pounce on whatever the hell's coming at him. And I'm looking at him like, what? What? And he's pointing at the screen. He's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I look at the screen, and the screen says, like, 1140. The, the clock is stuck on 1142. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what? And I look down at the time, and the time is 1142 <gasps> at night. So I'm oh. looking at it, and I go, whoa! And he's going, whoa! I'm going, whoa! So we're both sitting there, standing, like, like ready to run and jump out of a window. <laughs> and we're holding our breath, and we're watching the clock on that little clock that I had. And it clicks over to 11.43, and we go, we both just do this exhale of just absolute relief. I'm like, oh, my God. I thought we were going to die because of a fucking video game. <laughs> you have just rented the ring, renamed. <laughs> exactly. I thought, I thought fucking Alma was going to jump out of a fucking wall at us. Oh, my God. Oh, <sighs> that, that is just perfect. It was it, it and it it had to be coincidence that it just happened to say eleven forty two. But the what if video. it that wasn't? Just... What if the game? Because you know, like uh, like Metal Gear, um, whether you played Twin Snakes or the the, the original release of the game, where um, Psycho uh, Psychomandis reads your memory card. Like, what if they were just like this moment in the game? No matter what, their time is going to freeze at this. So if you ever looked at your <laughs> clock and this, you go, holy shit. Dude, if, if it wasn't a coincidence, if that was actually programming, that was brilliant. <coughs> yeah, right? 
Now I want to go back and play Fatal Frame just to see if the clock actually says something different. Actually, I gotta play the one that uh, came out last year for the Wii. I have it on uh, the Wii U. I have it on there. I got like a little ways in. I was like, wait, you know, I got I gotta hold off on it. I got I got too much stuff on my hands right now. I'll get back to it. It ended up going to the wayside, but now I want to play it. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I think we have actually uh, officially recorded the longest episode of GNA, um, at least of, of the new <laughs> yeah. co-host. So, why don't we uh, why don't we wrap it up there on on some freaky fatal frame? Uh, Blue Shark, tell people where they can find you. You can find me just about every day of the week saying something on Twitter at Blue Shark forty five, and then twice a month. You can usually find me on a Friday on Twitch at the Blue Shark 45 because I can't rebrand it. <laughs> Zyroblood, where can people find you at? Well, people can find me on uh, Twitter at Cyberblood, or you can find me on uh, anything at Cyberblood. And how do you how do you spell Zyberblood? Z y b r b l o o d. Nice. And this is Cecil. You can find me on Twitter at Cecil vs. Games and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Cecil Xavier. So thanks everybody for joining and uh, get out there and play some play some horror games, play some Fatal Frame, play some Dead Space. Thanks for joining everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>